Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KJX 1220 and 98.1 FM. Now, how long-term listeners know the Ask Brian Show is spelled A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N, and people that have listened to the show actually know what the E stands for. But for our new listeners who do not know what the E stands for, and like our guest who probably doesn't know what the E stands for, we're going to try to explain to people why Ask Brian is spelled with an E. Because we all know when we were kids, Everybody growing up, if their name was Brian, it was B-R-I-A-N or B-R-Y-N. But nobody spelled the name B-R-I-E-N, except for the couple down the street, which was called the O'Brien from Ireland. But most people spell Brian, I-A-N or Y-N, not with an E. So, because of that, we have an E-expert, okay? Matt is an E-expert. It takes a lot of, lot of training to do that, but he is an E-expert. And he's going to explain to us some of the reasons why Ask Brian is spelled with me other than the fact that we can't spell. So go ahead, Matt. Give us well, one reason. Peter, thank you for that introduction. Uh, I don't believe I can actually consider myself an E. I really don't believe I could be considered an E expert. And, you know, there are many reasons why we call this. You know, there's an E in Jets and Neps, you know. <laughs> there is. There is. We can't talk about the Jets today, though. They lost this weekend, unfortunately. But, you know, there's there's a many reasons why we do spell it with an E, Ask Brian. Um E stands for quite a few things, but like I said, I can't consider myself an E expert because in order to become an expert in your field, you need 10,000 hours of experience in the industry, which quite frankly, I don't have it under my belt at this point. Well, how would you get 10,000 hours? <laughs> we could break it down. That number? We go by a year by year basis, right? So 52 weeks in a year here on earth. Uh, we'll call two weeks for rest and well, relaxation. Because we know and in Venus, it's a shorter year, so go ahead. Exactly, right. And Mercury is no longer in retrograde, so that's the good news. Things should be but evening Mars out. But longer time, but go ahead. Right, you're home planet. But there's <laughs> 40 hours in a working week, so you make 50 weeks, 40 hours working, 40 times 50 is 2,000. So by my math, and I'm no mathematician, it is five years by 2,000 equals 10,000 hours. It takes about five years, although we've agreed here over the last few weeks that no entrepreneur is solely working 40 hours a week. It's usually more like 80. That would be like a side hustle or a part-time job after you're working you know, 60 hours a week and you work a little job. Maybe, maybe, maybe could do it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, entrepreneurs all work in their own ways, so you could break, really break it down in so many different fashions. But that's the math that we came up with, the arithmetic but that we e, One of the reasons in E is that you are an entrepreneur, isn't that one of you? Many of our together. Our guests are entrepreneurs, and our listeners are entrepreneurs because most of that's them correct. are trying to learn about business. What I think that's our most important E, actually. That's our most important E, entrepreneur. We're not going there yet. We're not even there. We're not even close yet. What? I didn't say anything. That was just odd. You're really doing Olivia and John. I don't know what to do. Tracy, you're <laughs> overstepping. Or something with Olivia. I'm. I'm the. Uh, a, supposed e-expert here right right 
Supposed, supposed. No, one of the other reasons E is for education, because we try to educate said listeners each week about business. Well, that, that's very important. I mean, that is really why we have the Ask Brian Show. Our goal really is to educate. We're thinking about all the other E's that we have, and all very important. I know certain E's are more important to other people, but without a doubt, E is it. E is for education. We do want to educate people, and if you can learn something from each show, besides what the E's and Ask Brian stand for, then we've accomplished our goal. There you go. So that, that is a big E. Well, I got another one for you here, Peter. E is for experience because experience counts. Well, it certainly does because if you've done something many, many times before, you probably have gone through all the good parts, bad parts, and can figure out what the problem is by having lots and lots of experience. Exactly. Like you're gaining on this show. Well, <laughs> give us some other reasons why we have uh, an E and S play. Well, I would say my personal favorite, while I take my headphones out, E is for enthusiasm. Because being enthusiastic... excitement! <laughs> As I said, headsets were out for that. Luckily. Uh... <laughs> because you gave the warning, that's why I did the screen. I wouldn't have done this thing if you didn't take your headsets out. Because I'm very empathetic. You're also very excited, Peter. And you know what? Here's one that you haven't actually brought up in the past, Peter. That's energy. You bring the energy, you and Tracy both, every show. Well, thank you. Aww. Yeah. I bring the positive energy. <laughs> and Tracy, oh. Tracy, let me cue you up. What's your favorite E? Wait, wait, wait. We have to ask no. Lightning first. What is Grease Lightning? That's Grief Lightning and RFP, Olivia Newton-John, leads me to my most favorite D, which is electrifying. Woo! Wow. Woo! That's a lot of ease. Now, our guest is probably saying, our guest is probably saying, am I being interviewed or am I just listening to the uh, Peter and Tracy talk about ease? I mean, am I ever going to get on the show? I mean, uh, I'm going to have to speak to Heather and a couple other people because I'm not sure what's going on. So, without any further ado, and why I like that word, Matt? Ado is your favorite word, Peter, because it has one consonant and the rest of the letters are vowels. Absolutely correct. Thanks, thanks a lot, Matt. Really glad we have you on our show. But without any further ado, no joking aside, we have to bring on our guest. Logan, are you still there? I'm here. I've been trying to think of all the E words, and I'm like, man, these people have an engine because they just keep going. But I'm, I'm here and I'm ready to rock. <laughs> well, we, we, we brought you on the show because of your edge, which is another reason. We wanted that. Oh, oh. that's excellent. I appreciate that. Good one. Good one. For Logan, uh, some of you, some people don't know who you are. So first of all, let's get a quick background. You have a company now. What is the name of that company? CGN or something? Yeah, that's the acronym. So our company, or my company, is Contractor Growth Network, and we are a marketing agency specifically for the residential construction space. So uh, how is that different than Angie's list? Oh, great question. So the you way know, that I works, ask the hard questions like 60 minutes. I, I know, you're like softball. <laughs> <them. But> the <laughs> way that it works is we, we are focused <laughs> on helping the contractors build their own brand. Angie is great. Angie Home Advisor, it's great if you just want quick leads in the door and the homeowner can go on there and check it out. 
what we are focused on is build your own brand, do your own thing, because at some point, if you ever want to get away from Angie or Home Advisor and you stop paying them, a lot of that brand equity that you built up goes away with it also. So we're firm believers of you're going to build the brand, build it on your own real estate and not on somebody else's. So explain a little bit how, how your platform works and, and how long how long has it been in business? Yep. So I started five years ago kind of on accident. I was working full-time. Uh, I was doing inside sales actually out in uh, San Francisco. And nights and weekends, I was doing marketing for my dad's pond and water feature company, just trying to help him get the phone to ring. And it started to work really well to the point that his friends who were also contractors started to reach out and ask if I could do the same thing for them. And what it really comes down to and what we're really good at is our core four. The first thing is just the basic strategy. Where are you now and where do you want to get to? From there, nine times out of 10, the issue is that the website that the you know, contractor has doesn't actually represent their brand that well. You know, we'll ask them, you know, why do people hire you? Why do you get referred out? And they'll tell us, you know, it's because of three, these three reasons. But then when we actually look at that website, which is where, you know, people are going to make their final decision, none of those three reasons are up there. So we have to reformat the website in a way that guides the prospect, you know, through the right touch points, you know, all the way through that funnel to the lead. We also do SEO, aka how to get found in Google. And then the big thing that we're really pushing a lot of right now that's working unbelievably well is video marketing, essentially telling your story, your why, what are the amazing things that you do in people's homes through video, and then setting that up as a bit of a, a video funnel that pushes people back to that website. Website does the heavy lifting, creates the conversion, makes that a lead, and then they go off to the races from there. I really want to know a little bit about your background. Before you started this company, you said inside sales. Have you been in sales most of your career? What other areas have you been in? Actually, no. So I'm 31. Um, I grew up in Maryland and uh, went to college on a uh, athletic scholarship. I was a uh, springboard and platform diver, actually. So kind of a unique sport, but I uh, went to school for that. And then when I came out of school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I actually have an engineering degree, not because I wanted to do it, but simply I just figured if I'm going to do something in school, let me just pick a hard major. Um, and then when I got out, I actually went into the Navy. I went through a training program in the Navy. I didn't make it through. And because of a whole reduction in force thing, I essentially got out after a year. So at that point, I'm like scrambling, what do I do with my life? That's when I said, all right, I know I want to you know, own a business at some point in life. You know, I kind of grew up with watching my dad do it and kind of had that indoctrinated in me and then figured, well, before I go and do that, let me learn sales. So then that's when I went up to San Francisco, did Indeed.com. I was there for about 10, 11 months. And then at that point said, all right, you know what? I got these people calling me up. Let me go all in on myself. And then that's when I started the marketing thing. So I would say for my professional career, I mean, at this point, I guess I've been graduated, I don't know, 10 years now. Half of that has been owning this company. And the other half has been kind of a uh, smorgasbord of different jobs, if you will. You have the founder. Are there any other founders in the company? Just me. And how many contractors do you have on your platform or that you're working with? Between 350 and 400 is, is how many contractors that we've built websites for and done SEO for. So that's what you do for the contractor. You build them a website. You do the SEO. Do you do anything like PPC or social media marketing or any of that? 
So we used to, because of the, the niches that we work with, so it's typically going to be a longer sales cycle uh, contractor. So remodeling, for example, like nobody wakes up, um, you know, no homeowner wakes up and says, you know what, I've got an emergency situation. I have to remodel my home right now. So all of the marketing that we do is really more focused on long-term uh, prospect nurturing and education and things like that. And then that brings them, you know, gets them more educated. And by the time that the prospect is, you know, ready to move forward, they've been so educated by our clients that the only choice of contractor to go with is the client that we work with. So we used to do PPC. Uh, we used to actually do social media for people, but we've really dove into the things that A, we're really good at, and B, it serves our clients the best and they get a better ROI on everything. So we used to do it, but we've now even pulled back and, and gone even more narrow on what we offer. You mentioned the word funnel, and not everybody understands what the word funnel is. Most of the people that I know, you know, they're using like click funnels or something along those lines, and the typical standard is you start out with a lead magnet, you send out, you try to get them on your email list, you know, from the lead bag, then you go through a process of nurturing them to try to get them in. Is that what you're referring to in a funnel or is it something? So it's the same overall concept, right? You know, you, you bring somebody into your world that didn't really know who you were and you get something up, you know, just for their attention. And then little by little, as time goes on, you do nurture them. We do it differently. So we don't use quick funnels for clients. Like we use it for our own stuff if we're running certain campaigns. But what we do is it's more of a conceptual funnel. So it's more of like, there's like really three parts of the funnel, you know, the top part is get attention, right? If people don't even know that you exist, you know, there's no way that they're ever going to be able to hire you. Then from there, the next piece of the funnel is now you've got to try to convert the person into understanding that they want your service, not your service from you, but they want your service in general. And then the last bit of the funnel before the conversion happens is now they say, okay, I want this service and the only company that is the right one for me is this one right here. So when we do the funnel, it's really more if you go to the, the top of the funnel, which is the get attention, we'll consult with people and say, hey, look, this is what you need to be doing from an SEO, a video, a social media standpoint to bring somebody in your world that has no idea that you exist. Then from there, these are the things that need to happen to get somebody excited about remodeling their kitchen, updating their patio. So now they're really bought into the service. And then the last bit is these are the things that need to happen to, you know, get them to show that you are a credible, legit, you're worth the money type of company. And then once those three conversions happen in that order, that's when the lead happens. That's when you can really go down that, the whole now sales funnel from there. Let's go back to the contact that are coming into you. I imagine one of the first things to do is either build a website or redo or revise the website they have. But how do you differentiate yourself and how do you not have a conflict? You know, like let's say there are nine plumbers in, uh, you know, in, in a small town. I mean, you know, can you do that or do you have to like be more explosive and say, well, you know, there's nine plumbers in the town. I can work with two or three because I don't want to go all nine. Great question. So cool. if we're doing... So, so the way that we'll build this is if we're doing the, a website for somebody, we can do a website, like multiple contractors in the same area. That's fine. We have to build them in ways that they look different so it doesn't look like, you know, a cookie cutter, you know, this contractor looks the same as, this, you know, another person 10 miles up the road. But when it comes to, you know, if we're going to do this long-term SEO, 
we can only really take on one or two clients in each area because then we're having to compete with ourselves. So if it's just a website that we're building, then it's, you know, we can do it where as long as it's varying the style and the look and the feel of it, it still has to have certain elements that help with that conversion, but we can, you know, kind of, you know, do similar ones as long as they're different enough that it doesn't look like it was the same company times two. But when it comes to any sort of ongoing, like let's now, you know, drive tons of traffic to this website, that's when we really have to be exclusive and say, look, you know, we can't compete against ourselves. We're really sorry about that. So we can really only work with one or two people. And if it's a, a major metro area, you know, you can separate it out. Whereas certain people say, look, I just want to be in a five, 10 mile radius and that's it. That's fine. We kind of block that off and then move over to the next section for somebody else. But website wise, you can do it. It just has to be varied enough. Do you have an internal team that builds your website? Or do you just uh, collect people to some vendors that you have on the websites? Great question. So we do everything in-house. We've done it in the past where we've outsourced and tried different things, but we've just found as time has gone on and we're a 12-person company. We're young. We move fast. It's way easier to make everything work effectively and efficiently. And if we're going to change stuff, it's so much easier to do it all in-house. So everybody that we have on staff is completely in-house. Give us a price range. I don't want to, you know, because there's always one guy that says, oh, that's too much. But give us like a price range of what it costs for somebody to come on board. I, this all sounds great. And, you know, I'm a little gardener or have a little, you know, I don't, feel, I don't make a million dollars a year. So I want to use your services. What's the price point that we have to get in? So we are very open about pricing the same way that we feel that contractors should be as well. It's kind of like when CarMax came around and they changed how people buy used cars where they made everything very transparent. Now the rest of the market's kind of catching up. So our website, they start around 13 grand and they go up to about 25 grand. So you're not talking about chump change here. So we typically don't really work with the I'm a little gardener type people. It's more the people that are, you know, they've been around for some time, three, four, five years, usually at the minimum. And they're typically going to be doing, you know, if you want to talk about revenue, you know, half a million bucks on the minimum to really make this make sense for them. And of the people that you're working with, how long a time period does it typically take to get on the first page of Google after you've done the website? Ooh, that is the age old question everybody wants to know about SEO. And you're going to hate my answer because it starts with the D word, which is it depends. So what I really like ends- attorney. Go ahead. Yeah. Right. So the, the way <laughs> that it really works is we've had people, and it all really depends on what you're trying to go for. Like if you want a very, very specific term that not that many people are going to be searching for, it's pretty quick. You know, you can get up there and, you know, as little as 30, 30 days, you know, 60 days, if it's something very specific. But if you are in a very competitive market, let's say you're in L.A. and you're competing with a 100 other companies that have been do, they've been around for a while, doing SEO for a while. I mean, if you went all in, I mean, you could be looking at 6, 12, 18 months before you really start to see traction getting up to that first page. So it's not the answer anybody wants, but unfortunately it's the only real legit answer that I can give you. Well, thanks. We're going to pivot now to Tracy, who's been talking at the books with all these questions that she has about SEO and podcasting. So go ahead, Tracy. 
Well, thank you, Peter. And with the pivot that I am moving towards is I think you've given us really great, first of all, thank you, because I think you've given us really great information in general. And I also um, really respect the fact that you have niched down. That's one of the things that I think is always a big advice point, especially for people who are starting businesses, is to niche down into a very target avatar. I know your story is that your dad owned a contractor business, so it was natural for you to niche within contractors. What advice mm -hmm. would you give a startup who was trying to define their niche if they didn't have, let's say, that familial connection? How do you, what recommendations would you give? What's worked well for you having a niche? And what recommendations would you give for someone to try to define their niche? So I love this question because I do come from the contracting world. I've never owned a contracting business, but... I mean, I watched my dad since I was born do it. So, and, and he was very pro entrepreneurship, but he would come home and, you know, talk to myself and my siblings and, hey, guys, this is what happened at the job site today. What would you have done in this situation? So I got to kind of live vicariously through him on all that. So for me, the benefit of niching down is that I can, A, call back to all these different times with my dad that he was in these scenarios. And it really allows me from a, you know, marketing standpoint to put myself in their shoes. So it's very easy to blame the contractor, blame the customer as a marketing company when stuff's not going correctly, when you don't know what they're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. So it helps me to really understand and empathize with their scenarios. And that allows us to really build out the right marketing and sales system that are really going to benefit them. And what was cool about with my dad was he, I remember he told me, you know, when I first started doing the marketing for him, he said, Logan, I've got a marketing company right now. I know you don't know this stuff, but if I'm going to waste money on marketing, I might as well waste it on my own son. What do you think? And I was like, uh, I guess I'm in. And then we really got to build this thing out together. So when somebody who is a, let's say marketing person goes through, you know, I got a niche down. What do I do? It's, Unless you're like, a, in my mind, it is all my opinion, unless you're like a savant or you've got something super, super specific that you're good at, it's going to be very tough to nail it in a niche in one that you're unfamiliar with. So for me, I've never owned a contracting business, but I got to witness it and I go to contracting events all the time. I get to understand what they go through. But if you ask me to do the same marketing for dental you know, practices, it, it, a lot of it's the same but I'm not going to be nearly as effective or as impactful because I've never been around, you know, a dentist my whole life. So go with what you know. It's kind of like what Warren Buffett says about investing. Like go with what you know. And then from there, you'll be able to figure out is this working or not. Okay. Well, if you've never been around a dentist your whole life, you might want to recap it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so every six months I'm around them for about an hour, hour and a half. And that's about it. <laughs> Well, that's good to know. Just wanted to, we just wanted a little clarification on that. But it, when we're talking about these other categories and um, in marketing, especially right now with all of the press that's talking about going into a downturn, the challenges with the economy, recession language and things like that, going not just with contractors, but looking at a wider net of businesses who are using digital marketing, what are some of the tips that you could recommend that they could do to recession-proof their marketing strategy? Because I know contractors 
probably get a little nervous, like you said. You know, nobody's just waking up, you know, with an emergency to remodel their house. So uh-huh. with the recession uh, pending, or at least in terms of the language around that instilling fear, what recommendations would you get for people who are evaluating their marketing budgets for next year? So it's all about build your brand, right? And because of the, at the other side of whatever we're going into, and, you know, every recession is a little bit different and, you know, things like that. But on the other side of it is, let's just go back to the original question of, you know, you versus Angie's list, right? If I have a budget of just, you know, ambiguous number five grand a month, and right now in a recession, nobody's buying, but I still want to market myself because, I, you know, some people are buying, but just not the masses. If I put all that money into Angie and Angie's list and it just drives a bunch of people that are more curious and not ready to buy right now, well, now I'm padding Angie's pocket. But if I put that money into building my own brand, well, now people are coming directly to me. I'm not competing against other contractors as much because Angie's a platform that really takes a bunch of contractors on the same playing field. So that allows me to build the brand. And then on the other side of whatever this upcoming economy looks like, I have a much, much, much stronger brand that people really want to buy into. So build the brand, focus on your own, you know, your own website, your own SEO, your own video, your own content, because Facebook, social media, TikTok, that's not going away with a recession. That's going to be there. Google's not going away. Focus on that stuff and build your own brand, not somebody else's. I happen to know over the inside track, because we spoke about this on the break, that you have a podcast that you've been podcasting for over five years, which in podcasting years is about 100, and that you have successfully been using your podcast as a marketing tool to grow your business, which is music to my ears as the founder of Producer Podcast. So please tell us how you are using your podcast successfully and how other podcasters can use their podcast to grow their businesses. So the podcast, we do, we're really big on podcasts and YouTube. And the way that we leverage those is I'm personally an avid podcast listener. Like I, Every single morning, without fail, I listen to something. So I'm like a big believer in it. Uh, the way that we use it is, I, I, for me personally, we have one rule in the podcast, and it, as long as we're having fun, that's our one metric. So, but that's we love to do it. That's and, oh, really? Too. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. That's awesome. Yeah, because I've, I've done it where we, we try to do all these different things, and I'm like, this is a, it just becomes a job. And like, I'm going to sit here and just do this every week. So it, we, that's the one rule. And the way that we will use it, though, is when we're talking to, let's say, a, a prospect. And, you know, we tell them, hey, look, these websites start at 13 grand. And they go, oh, man, I was thinking, I don't know, $1,500, $2,000. We go, well, let's, let's do this. We need to nurture you somehow. So let's send you over some podcasts that really highlight our thought model and how this stuff works. So we really use it a lot to nurture prospects along and, and educate them. Going back to that, what does E stand for in Brian? So we like to educate them on everything that we do, and we do that through podcasting and YouTube videos pretty heavily. So that's how we use it, and it, they're so easy to share nowadays, and like, I mean, everybody's starting to podcast. So I love it. We have clients that ask if they should do one, and we're like, look, do one. My suggestion, if you're a local business, 
you know, instead of being, let's say you're a landscaper here in Charlotte, North Carolina, instead of having a landscape show, I'm like, if you interview other business owners in Charlotte, first off, you're going to be a hyper local company. And second off, now you, you have this platform that you're getting access to all these high powered business owners that would normally not really want to talk to you because they're afraid that you're going to sell them something. But now because you have a podcast platform, you get to say, Hey, business owner, I'd love to interview you on how you've done things. And that makes the connection between you and them. And that's how you can really get known in the area. So I'm a big podcast advocate, whether you have a national brand or a very, you know, hyper local brand. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I think, you know, one of the things that I also want to point out that you said is talking about guesting on other podcasts as a growth strategy. So you mentioned it in the way of recommending that your clients host a podcast and have guests on their podcast. But I think it's also really important to highlight that being a guest on other people's podcasts is a really powerful way to grow your business as well. Do you currently guest on other people's podcasts? I do. The same way that I'm on y'all's radio show right now, the more that I can get on other people that, let's say they have my audience, right? There's a lot of coaches and sales trainers in the contracting space. The more that I can get on their podcast and talk about, hey, you know, you're teaching people how to sell this way. Well, before they can sell something, you've got to get the leads in the door. This is how you get the leads in the door. Essentially, it's all about who else is in front of my audience and then how do I use their platform to get in front of that audience and vice versa, where if somebody else has my, my audience and maybe they're much bigger than I am, what we'll do is invite them onto our podcast and then make some really good you know, videos off of the podcast, send them the actual raw file of the podcast and say, here is this if, in quotes, if you want to promote this to your audience, and then, of course, they're going to promote it to their audience because we, you know, we just interviewed them about how great they are, and they get to now say, way I was on CGN's podcast, check it out, and now their audience is introduced to us. So it's a roundabout way of using their authority to get in front of their audience as well. One of the things that I think everybody really wants to understand right now is how to effectively use video in their marketing and how does SEO play a role in that as well? So the way really to look at video is you've got, going back to that funnel, how do you get people that have no idea who you are and get attention on you? And right now, what's working really well, going to social media is you've got Instagram and Facebook Reels, YouTube Shorts, TikTok videos. These are all like the really quick, you know, 60 to 90 second videos that are fun, engaging, entertaining, that people love to swipe all day long. That's initially how you introduce people over to you. So that's the attention piece. And then from there, that's when you can go down the whole pathway of, you know, let's say for our client, the contractor, it's creating like a little mini HGTV show showing somebody, hey, this is a kitchen project that we just did. Let me tell you about the homeowners, why they did it, what we did here. Here's how they get to enjoy it. So it's really getting people bought into your world. Now, when it comes to YouTube, which is, again, video, but a very different platform than, let's say, TikTok, YouTube is really meant more for, yes, there's entertainment, but it's such a big education platform now that everybody goes to YouTube of, you know, how to, you guys don't have this in LA, but how to winterize my sprinkler system, right? So now they can go on there. When they type that in, YouTube's a little bit different where a lot of it is really focused on just user engagement, 
right? If somebody watches your video, let's say it's a 10 minute video and they get through, I don't know, 30 seconds of it and go, this is not a good video. I'm going to leave. And that happens over and over and over. Well, YouTube's going to look at that and go, this must not be a very good video. Let's not really show it that high. But if you have a video that is 10 minutes and the average watch time is five minutes, which, you know, that's a good amount. And then from there, people like to watch other videos on YouTube. Well, now YouTube's going, you know what? We want to keep people on the platform because we make money because they see ads. So this must be a really good video that people are watching because then they're watching other videos on our platform. Let's show this near the top of YouTube. So when it comes to video, the, the easiest way to get sound is make good content. Don't try to game it. Don't try to figure out, well, what is YouTube looking for right now? Just make a good quality video that if you were to show it to a family friend that maybe isn't as knowledgeable in what you're talking about, if they like the video, that's a good first step to knowing, all right, I'm on the right path. Well, you know, I've noticed on based on your website that you were recognized as one of the Inc. 5,000. Congratulations for that. Thank, thank you very much. That's an amazing accomplishment. What is one of the things that you, I know a lot of businesses aspire for that recognition. What is one of the things that you attribute to being able to receive that status? So it's the niching down. It's the ability to get really deep into, you know, we have like one vertical, which is contracting, one horizontal, which is more inbound marketing. So it allows us to become the expert. It's like, this, you know, kind of an odd tangent, but my mom, she broke her wrist last week and she had to go get it fixed. And she was telling me last night that, you know, depending on which bone it is, that's which doctor she has to go to. And it's like that specific of a expertise. And that for us has worked very well. So that's amazing. Well, I know there are a lot of people who are going to want to get in touch with you after listening to this episode. What is the best way that people can get in touch with you? So if you head over to our website, which is just our company name, contractorgrowthnetwork.com, that's the best place to go there, learn more about us. we got educational blogs, things like that. And then we also have under the same name, a YouTube channel and our podcast is just Contractor Growth Podcast. But... Go to the website, go from there. That's a good start. That's amazing. Well, speaking of podcasts, we hope everyone will go to their favorite listening platform, not only and listen to the Contractor Griff podcast, but also the Ask Brian podcast. So wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, make sure you download and follow the Ask Brian podcast. That's A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N. And you can listen to this episode as well as all of our previous archived episodes and grow your business. So, Peter, what else you got? Well, we don't have enough time, so I don't know how we can do it. But how do you do SEO work for a video? Because if you really in writing, we only have about a, for 158 and a half, so we have a very short time. So, in 30 seconds, the way to do YouTube SEO is first. Again, we're going back to, to the, how YouTube as a platform works, and there's not enough time to talk about that, but when you talk about the certain things that you're talking about, well, YouTube transcribes that for you. So they can see what you're saying, and if you want to go above and beyond and actually upload your own transcript, that will help as well. So they know what you're talking about in that video, so that's part of it. And the other aspect of it, again, is just make it good content because the longer the, the more that people click on your video and then the longer that people then from that video stay on YouTube, those are like two of the biggest ranking factors on YouTube that help you get found. And 
helpful enough, Google owns YouTube, so they all kind of play together. So they do the transcription, make it a really good video that people want to stay on, and that's how you do it. Thank you very much, Logan. Thank you, Tracy. And Spider Radio Show over and out. KTS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.